Are you a Dragon Boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber Dragon Boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening in. On this episode, 15-year breast cancer survivor and singer-songwriter Faith Walker joined us on the podcast. Faith was diagnosed in 2004 at the age of 26. Three years later, she was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. She uses her cancer journey and her music to inspire others, including one of her latest songs, Head in the Clouds. Take a listen in as Faith shares her story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Faith Walker. Faith is a breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed at the age of 26 back in 2004. She is also a singer-songwriter. So Faith, I am super excited to have you here to share your story today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Any opportunity to share my story and inspire others, I'm all for it. Absolutely. And we appreciate people like you who are very willing to share their stories. So um, let's talk about your diagnosis. So I already kind of indicated that you were 26. It was in 2004. But talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, how this all happened for you, because you certainly were not of an age where you should have been having mammograms. So, um, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, Well, my journey kind of started out with um, some milk discharge. I was, you know, 26. I'd already had two young children, and I was like, okay, why, why is this happening? Why am I lactating? So um, I, that was, was my initial, um, I guess, symptom. And so I went to my family doctor who ordered an ultrasound. So I had my breast ultrasound, and it was it was one of those situations where they were like, don't call us, we'll call you. They were getting annoyed because I was calling to follow up. and uh, As you should. So, <laughs> If they're not yeah, calling you. Know, <laughs> yeah, I was expecting a call, but then they were, yeah. I ended up calling them and they're like, no, we'll call you if there's anything wrong. So never heard anything. Um, and then about three months later, I found a lump. Oh my gosh. In that, so wait a minute. In that breast. Three months later? Three months later and they... They never called you to say. They never called me. Things are okay. Things no, are they not never okay. Me. Well, what happened was I went into the family doctor for the results of that um, breast ultrasound that they sent me for. So once I found the lump, they said, "Okay, we're going to send you for another breast ultrasound." 
I went in for the results and he was like, well, yeah, you, you still have a lump. It's doubled in size. And I'm like, what do you mean still? I was never even told about one in the first place. So oh my gosh. that was kind of like my first, um, you know, experience with not being able to be hundred percent confident in my care. And that's not the way um, you want to start anything off. I mean, that's exactly, you know, that certainly does not give you the confidence to know that they are going to have your best interest at heart moving exactly. forward. Exactly. So that was, that was tough, but I kept being assur- like reassured by my doctor. Oh, you're so young. Like there's no strong family history and sure it's nothing. We're just going to send you to a specialist, send you to, um, have, I ended up having a lumpectomy and so did you um, um let me let me kind of go back just a tad bit sure. did you not do a mammogram they just sent you directly for an ultrasound um at that point no they didn't send me for a mammogram wow I I didn't have mammograms till later but they I guess the breast ultrasound was their way of um you know seeing what was going on so okay. um then they sent me for a lumpectomy and I had my lymph nodes removed and it had already spread to my lymph nodes at how that many point. lymph nodes were involved um, i be- think it was eight okay i believe it was eight yeah so, so did they do a um, full axillary dissection or they, they at that some? point they they asked they basically suggested like you need to have a mastectomy okay so um they said well we could go back in and do another lumpectomy but you know this is what we recommend so um even when you know i got the results i was pretty shocked because that doctor had really downplayed it as well. Like, Oh, you're so young. I'm sure, we're sure it's nothing, but you know, so I, I really was shocked. I actually went to my appointment. I didn't have childcare. So I had my, um, one of my sons with me who has severe autism. So I'm like in the appointment trying to get him to sit down and I'm finding out like you have cancer. So yeah. it was like, oh it was, gosh. it was pretty crazy. I just remember like calling my mom and just like bawling, just crying, like, I have cancer. Yeah. Like that was like, you know, the first, the first hit. And, um, so that was really tough. And so the mastectomy was, so did somebody come and I pick you up? Do- I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm just trying to no. think about this. So you I, drove yourself home too. I did. I drove myself home and <sighs> I don't remember what happened after that. It's like kind of a blur. I know I called, you know, some close friends and family but I had like a really hard time you know it takes some time to process absolutely I Uh, mean I can't then I can't imagine I'm sorry that you you know went to this appointment found out that you had cancer didn't have anybody with you and then you were able to you know drive home and um do it safely I mean I I know that yeah days that um I was in for months after um you know to get that I just, I can't imagine. Yeah, it was definitely tough. I've always been pretty independent. So I, I, um, I guess I just kind of just put one foot in front of the other. And I think that's sometimes what got me through just knowing, okay, this is what I have to do for my kids. And at that point I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, very high survival rate. Like, let's go, let's get this done kind of thing. Um, so went, you, and then, so you did do the lumpectomy and I went, did the lumpectomy, okay. and then I had a mastectomy after that. How long was that so, time in between the lumpectomy and the mastectomy? Um, now, we're going back 15 years, so I'm trying to remember <laughs> I exactly. Know. I don't remember. I feel like it was maybe a couple of months. Okay, so, I mean, it wasn't mo- very long. Okay. No, it, it, I don't think it was very long. Uh, they got me in pretty quickly, and 
so following that, I had um, chemo, radiation, every, you know, all, all the forms of treatment that they normally recommend. Um, I was on tamoxifen. So did you do chemo after the mastectomy? Or, before? Uh, or like, did I that all happen before? Sometimes they do be chemo honest, before the surgeries, think. and then sometimes yeah. they do it after. I need to look at my medical records, and it's, it's, okay. it's all kind of a blur. <laughs> it yeah, is. I'm trying to think back to that time, if it was before or after. Um, I think it was after, but I'm not 100% okay. on that. It's, it's so many things happened, and, um, you know, just like the day-to-day stuff, and then looking at the big picture, right. it's well, just like... And two kids, and one you said has, you know, has has a high level of autism. So I'm sure that, you know, not everything is necessarily, you know, popping back up into your mind fresh. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Okay. You just kind of keep moving. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I had every form of treatment. I I thought, you know, okay, I did this. My my battle with cancer is done. Um, so but I'm going to interrupt you again. I'm the end of it. Okay. Sure. I want to, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that, but I want to talk about, um, you did reconstruction after the mastectomy? Yes, I did. I kind of skipped over that. Okay. That's um, all right. No I worries. Had, I had, um, I would say, I think I had about six different procedures now, like at this point, um, I had never had surgery prior to this lumpectomy, mastectomy. So okay. now I think I'm about, um, 11 surgeries but um as far as the reconstruction i think there were i had the um latissimus flap okay where they take um skin from your back and yeah. basically build a pocket and then put a tissue expander in and then permanent implants after that okay so you did um did you use the latissimus muscle from both sides um no because they only okay. did um the right side Okay. Now looking back, I'm like they. Did, I wonder why they never even suggested that I had both done, you know. But I just kind of went with what I was told. Like this is what we recommend. Okay, that's what I'm going to do, kind of thing. Yeah, and I feel like that's most of us where we're just like, yeah. okay. I mean, you're really you're just put into that mode of anything and everything I have to do right now. You tell me, and I will do it. Yeah, um, exactly. Because we don't know, right? Like it's not exactly. for the most part. Many of us have never been through that experience, so it's all very new. Right. And, you know, again, we have to just kind of put our trust in the doctors. And just, yeah, exactly. Just follow through with whatever they suggest and not even, you know, really question it. So right. So that's, that's what I did. And then you said, you know, you kind of got through that, and then you really thought that this was going to be done and over with, but that wasn't the end. I never, it never crossed my mind. It never crossed my mind that it could possibly come back or be a chronic illness. Like, it never crossed my mind, ever. Um, I was, it was about three years later, and I was pregnant with my youngest son. And I was getting this extreme back pain and kept going back and forth to the doctors, to the clinic, to, you know, um, even to the merge a couple times and... They were just like, the baby's pressing on a sciatic nerve. They even sent me to like a specialty hospital and they were like, yeah, the baby's probably just pressing on a nerve, but they never really investigated further. Um, just kind of kept saying, we'll take this pain medication, um, you know, rest. And that was basically their, their advice to me. So it started getting worse and worse. It was like debilitating to the point where like I couldn't even stand or walk sometimes. Wow. Um, so this day 
this on this particular day i i was able to walk a little bit and i i reached down for my son's uh, bag and then my back just gave out and i just fell to the floor oh my god could not move oh my god could not move at all and i called 911 oh my god are you that. serious <laughs> and pregnant on top yes. of that yeah 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 exactly i was like this can't be real like what's happening right now um so finally when they took me to um emerge that time there was a doctor that was smart enough to say you know let's give her an mri so i just remember like being in the room and i had there was a doctor covering for my doctor and she was someone that i had she was my obstetrician um for a previous pregnancy but i really did not vibe with her so i ended up switching obstetrician so it was like the most uncomfortable situation you know (laughs) but she came in and she was like very hard and um you know, she didn't have the best bedside manner, but she came in there with like tears in her eyes. I'm like, oh my goodness, like what is going on? Like, can somebody just tell me what's happening? They're like, wait, trying to wait for my doctor. And she had tears in her eyes and she's just told me, you know, you fractured your spine. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And she's like, well, you had tumors in your spine. That's why it fractured so easily. Oh um, and I was just like, I was in complete shock because even more shocked than the first diagnosis because I'm like, wait, I already paid my dues. Like, how is this back? You know, and I was at that point about 24 weeks pregnant. So did you immediately think when they said tumors that it was related back to the breast cancer or? I think that's when it sunk in when they said that. Okay. And they basically explained that, you know, a mic, because I had like the free and clear. So like a microscopic cell must have traveled through my body to my spine. And um, the hormones of pregnancy had very estrogen sensitive cancer, but nobody, that's another thing. Nobody really explained that to me. So I guess I was naive in a way. I didn't know that, okay, this could cause, you know, if there is a cell, this could cause it to grow kind of sure. thing. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I think we don't necessarily, you, you did the tamoxifen. My guess is, yeah. you know, the tamoxifen was probably, you know, five years or whatever. And um, you know, if, if that made, well, you said it was three years later. So, yeah. Um, so I basically, I said, to, I had expressed my doctor, like, I want to have another baby, you know, before I turn 30 and, um, you know, be done with it kind of thing. And they said, well, yeah, let's do tamoxifen for three years. And then, you know, you could, you can come off of it. So they never, they never cautioned me or anything like that. So I just, I, I guess I was naive in a way. And I just um, ended up getting pregnant with my son. So I, I, you know, of course, I'm never going to regret that path or anything like that. But it was definitely a crazy, crazy time because once I had, um, once I found out my spine was fractured, I was admitted to the hospital and um, they had me on all these different medications that were giving me side effects from like being cross-eyed to like slightly hearing voices in the background like my mother was there and she wasn't there like really really serious um medications but like what is this doing to the baby you know so at that point in time um actually you know I definitely blame myself for this but I was just trying to be independent strong tough uh, in the middle of the night, one night, I was supposed to call for help if I was going to the washroom, and I just decided to go independently on my own. I was like, oh, come on. I feel better. I can go to the washroom on my own. And I think my hand, I can't remember it clearly, but I think my hand kind of missed the railing, and I fell, and I felt like my body shattered into a million pieces. Oh, my god! Could not move. They had to get one of those cranes and lift me up. 
and get me into the bed. And at that point, I, I fractured my spine again. So they were like, okay, we need to get this baby out. And at that point, I was 27 weeks. Wow. So it was pretty scary having like nine doctors there, um, having a little two, two and a half pound baby, um, you know, not knowing what to expect. Um, so I, I had a C-section and then about, well, the next day I had a nine hour back surgery to uh, fuse my spine with rods and screws. Holy cow. So you just had a C-section and then immediately went into back surgery. Yeah, the like, next day. So yeah. no in-between time to process anything. Yeah, it was well, it was pretty crazy. And I'm sure your baby was taken right out and put into yeah. probably the NICU. Um, yeah, and actually I, I saw him for a couple minutes and then they took him to uh, a hospital an hour and a half away. Oh my so gosh. So I wasn't even able to see him for a month. So it was it was pretty it was really challenging. I remember the first time I got to go up there and visit him, my mom and my daughter, we went together and finally got to hold him for the first time. He was like a month old. Aww. So um, after that, they took him, they switched him to the hospital where I was because I had to spend three months in the hospital going through radiation and learning to walk again. Like um, I have permanent, well, it was probably permanent damage. Um because of where my spine was fractured and because of the surgery, I can't lift my right foot and I have nerve pain, like pins and needles and sharp pains in my feet, um, 24 seven. So it's been like 11 years of that. Oh, so that that's been tough too. living with pain every day. It's definitely been a challenge. Um, but you know, I was lucky that my son had no health concerns. Um, he just had to have like a minor hernia surgery and that was it. So I was I mean, definitely considered. Yeah. Like, that's oh, yeah. Not, that's 27 not, week baby. Yeah. I mean, that that is tiny. And there's still so much development that has to take place, you know, for him exactly. to kind of come out, you know, pretty healthy and, and only have to have a, a hernia surgery is amazing. Really? Yeah, definitely um, a miracle baby. <laughs> for sure. That's what I tell him. He doesn't like to hear it. But <laughs> I still tell him, like, you're a miracle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And, you know, now he's he's 11 or so yeah. at this point. Um, yeah, he just turned 11. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I think there's kind of that silver lining on the other side of that, right, is now that you, um, it certainly wasn't something that I'm sure you wanted to go through. But on the other side of that, you have a an amazing, you know, little person that's now 11 and still your miracle exactly. baby. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I really try to um, be aware of how lucky I am to be here um, because I hate hearing the statistics like the average lifespan for someone, you know, that was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer like I was is two to three years. Right. So just the fact that I'm here 11 years later, it's like one in five make it past five years. You know, I, I always try to remember that you know I'm still here for a reason I have a purpose you know I've I have lost friends along the way and I've taken it really really hard um, as I'm sure you can imagine like when you're going through it and then other, there's other people in your life that are going through you know breast cancer as well and trying to be there for each other but you know other types of cancer as well just a lot of stuff it hits really close to home right well, and the, the survivor's guilt is real, you know, like a lot of people think that it's, yeah. you know, that it, it can't be real, but it, it very much is. Um, Definitely. You know, and you, 
you never ask to be a part of this, you know, sorority or fraternity or whatever it is that you want to call it, this yeah. group. Um, but some of these people become lifelong friends and exactly. in the process we lose them. Um, you know, sometimes that happens and it's really hard to kind of conceptualize and understand, you know, why, why that person and why, yeah. like, why am I still why here them that person? Not me. Yeah. 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 It is very much real. And those are, I mean, those are things that, you know, even still, you know, 15 years out, 12 years out, um, I would say even, you know, 20 plus years out that people mm-hmm. still struggle with that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's really, it's really, it's really hard, especially, you know, one, one friend that I had that passed, she had a, I, we had met through, um, a kid's group, um, for kids affected by cancer. So our, our sons were the same age and went through the group. I think they were maybe five, six, seven, eight, like those, that age range. And so we really connected through that. And then we, you know, we bonded on other levels and we became like really close friends. Um, and you know, for, for several years, but when, when she passed, like just the thought of her son just like broke me. Like I just, it just, you know, especially having some, a son the same age and, you know, you, of course you, you think, you know, why, like, why did it have to be you, you know? And, and also this fear that, you know, this could be what my family is going to go through soon. Right. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, currently, um, you know, with being at this point, um, you know, 11 years out from that, um, you know, the, the metastatic diagnosis, I know that, there's for a period of time they want you to take medication. So are you still on any medication at this point or just kind of yes. being monitored? Okay. Um, I have been on every form of hormone therapy um, and I've exhausted all options as far as that. Um, the, the cancer spread to uh, other spots in my spine, my scapula, um, as well as my lungs and um, more recently, they found a spot on my liver that's three and a half centimeters. So at that point, they wanted me to start oral chemo. So I literally started that last week. Okay. Um, so it's I've basically tried everything. And, um, you know, I did have a really strong remission for about eight years. And then it started to spread Got it. again. So um, I do, you know, a lot of natural things as well. You know, lifestyle changes. But um yeah, I've done hormone therapy and, and now I'm doing uh, oral chemo. Okay. So how are you doing on the oral chemo at this point? I mean, I know it started just last week, but um, are you experiencing any side effects from it? Um, yeah, uh, not nothing too bad because I am used to living with, um, you know, quite a few uh, pains and side effects on a daily basis. I think maybe a little bit more nausea but um other than that there aren't a whole lot of severe side effects for this medication so i'm definitely lucky in that way good good and so i want to kind of revisit something that you had said um because as i mentioned in the introduction you are a singer songwriter and you had said that you know you feel like you're still here for a reason and i don't know if those two are connected but um, I would love to hear a little bit about, um, you know, what it is that you're doing and um, share a little bit about that. Sure. Um, Definitely um, there is a connection between my music and, you know, what I feel is my purpose. I've been a singer-songwriter since I was 
pretty young. I started recording in the studio as a teenager, about 14. And I always wrote just about, you know, the daily, you know, hanging out with my friends and love and relationships. And um, so after going through cancer twice, um, I really started to see that I had even more of a purpose because now I could write about that experience. Uh, So I definitely um, see that as part of my purpose. And I've Um, My last project, the EP that I put out, um, has, I would say, three songs on it that really touch on, you know, going through a tough time and then coming through and trying to see, you know, the blessings in disguise. Um, So those have been really important to me. Um, The one, the big, I would say my biggest, proudest accomplishment is that um, I shot, well, we shot a video with a very talented director for um, the title track on the uh, EP, which is Head in the Clouds. I love it. Did it. A re- yeah. <laughs> did you see the video? I did. Did I send it to you? Oh, I good. did. No, you didn't send it to me, but I did a little bit of stalking. Oh, you saw it. Okay, <laughs> and good. And your voice, your voice is amazing, and I love the video. Thank you so much. I, I had, like, this vision in mind of what I wanted for it, and a lot of people asked me, you know, oh, did you, like, scout these people or where did you find these people because um, I have different people as you know in the the video holding signs that say their greatest struggle and then at the end they're holding a sign that says the greatest blessing that came out of it um, but those are actually all my friends and family members I've got some tough wow. tough people that have been through some really trying times um, I have my son in it as well just saying I he was a, yeah <laughs> just over a two pound baby so um and I think it's important because, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm fighting cancer every day of my life, but there are other people that are, you know, dealing with other situations that, um, you know, are, are very tough as well. And so I just wanted it to be something that was going to, everybody could relate to. Um, and so this was just kind of the vision that I brought to the director and um, he just brought it to life. So I'm definitely so proud of that. If anyone's listening and they want to check out head in the clouds remix video on youtube um i'm pretty proud of it and i I think that it's it's inspired a a lot of people already so and you should be Um, very very proud of it and um you you know the thing that i love the most is that you know we all kind of go through this um you know all, all of our stories are different uh which is kind of the reason that we do um the podcast called behind the pink ribbon because nobody's story mm-hmm. is the same but exactly. you know we all kind of go through this journey and it leads us to something and even though you were you know kind of doing this since the age of 14 it, it sounds like you just feel like it's a bigger purpose and it's a way for you you know using your music as a way to kind of help other people through the struggles Definitely. that they're experiencing yeah so i think it's always so cool sure. when i'm able to hear you know different people the way that they're using their experience to touch the mm-hmm. lives of you know, somebody else that might be going through it as well. Exactly. It's just, I'm sure you kind of feel the same about your podcast because it's, you know, it's definitely going to help a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) For sure. I think so for sure. Do you have a website or where can our listeners find you? Because I will say that you are absolutely worth listening to. Your voice is amazing. Um, So I definitely want to be able to direct people, um, and ways to find you so to hear it yeah um so you can look on youtube as well as um my instagram is probably my most 
active uh, social media. So I keep everything like up to date on that from performances to, you know, interviews and any anything that's new with me. Um, and then also... Um, Oh, sorry. I tried That's to okay. Your else. Instagram account is Faith Walker, correct? It's Faith Walker Music. Music, okay. Uh, Faith Walker Music, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just basically, I have a, a Facebook page as well, um, if you want to check that out. And, uh, yeah, I would say that uh, Instagram is definitely the, the best way to, to keep current with what I'm doing. Awesome. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Sorry. No, Spotify. Okay. Oh, Spotify. Oh, my, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm forgetting something. Spotify. Um, if you just search Faith Walker, um, I've got my EP on there as well as some other songs that I've been featured on over the years. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to share your story. I know that it's going to inspire somebody else. Um, you know, and thank you for all that you're doing with your music um, to help others through their own journey. Um, we appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I truly appreciate your time as well. And, you know, I think it's it's important once we go through something um, to to share what we've been through. So other people going through it, you know, it might make it a little easier for them or they don't feel like they're alone. So I, I appreciate your time as well. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.